Common, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again. Episode 277 on Sunday, the 16th of April, 2023. 20... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what year it is. Holy shitballs. I'm Phil. I'm Ben. I'm Matt. And uh, tonight we're joined by life coach Richard Harris. How are you doing, Richard? Yeah, I'm really excited to be oh, here. Shit, Thank you, guys. <laughs> Sorry, the stream just had no audio then, very briefly, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, chat's coming through now. Yes, Helen, I've rectified it. Please tell me I've rectified it. Mm. Sorry about that, Richard. How are you? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Don't worry, I my stream fucks up like that from time to time too. It is what it is. You know, I can't blame OBS. That was totally user error. Yeah, I mean there's lots of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all the way through. Yes, I've got a bit of a, a reputation for fucking things up, it seems. Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, glad to uh, be joining by you, Richard. And um did you see my thumbnail there, my title for the video, Make Masculinity Great Again? Mate, I, like, the thumbnail and the graphics that you had with like that, with that 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, like, I, I was laughing. It was, it was really cool, that, that stuff. Good, yeah, it's all different for every video. That's how much effort, that's how committed I am mm. to, to creating a, a, a unique experience for yeah. each <laughs> podcast. A, a quality product. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's what we're all about, quality. Yeah, I thought that would be because I was looking at your website and stuff, and um, and through email correspondence, the sort of you telling us the sort of things that you're into, like stoicism and ancient history and sacred sites and all sorts of interesting things. So I found it quite difficult to come up with a title, and then I thought we still got no sound, no sound on the stream. No. What the fuck? Uh, I'll try that. I'll try that. Yeah. It should be there. Hmm. <laughs> Volume up. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, at least some people are actually telling us. <laughs> um, do you think we have a crisis in masculinity, Richard? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I take it you guys think that's the case too? Um, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I, I've been listening quite recently to Chris, a lot of Chris Williamson. Is that his name? Podcast? Have you heard of him? I don't know Chris Williamson. Um, so he, I think he kind of would go down that route in terms of, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, being masculine or having, you know, out, being outwardly masculine is perhaps been demonized to a certain extent, you might say in, in certain yeah. sectors. Um, yeah, look, look I'll cut to it, right? Yeah, yeah, it has, it obviously has. And let's be real. It's a top down 
deep state operation that started from the cabal and filtered through all of its various little arms. And then eventually it contacts the general public through the corporatocracy, which they own through all their banking scam. Because that's what they've been doing the last like 100 years and they start, since they started that. They bought everything up. And now they use all these corporations to inculcate their shitty satanic ideas in, into people. Am I allowed to say shitty and satanic on, on YouTube? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Um, but you never know what who from the cabal is listening. So, um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens. Sorry, 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 Mr. Rockefeller. They they actually there's a Rockefeller bit of land on the other side of um, Avebury where I'm staying at the moment, like in Pusey Vale. They got this like cursed pyramid on it. But like, but the, to finish that previous point, right? Like they they you know they got the intelligence agencies and the mainstream media and all that kind of stuff, and they've inculcated this a bunch of ideas through uh, like that. And one of them is to undermine men in all these uh, all these different ways. And I think you can actually sum up the theme of how they're undermining um, the men as as like the Oedipal mother. So we've got this like Oedipal uh, mother relationship with the state, and but by proxy, the deep state. And actually, I haven't listened a lot to, because we were talking off camera a little bit about Cliff High, who I'm really fond of. I think he's a really cool like conspiracy guy. Um, I, I think there's a lot of Munchausen's by proxy as well. He's, I think he does a pretty good argument of uh, of explaining that the state is is doing the Munchausen's by proxy. So yes, we do have a crisis of masculinity, and the reason is if we if our men are weak, wussy, dependent, hypersexualized, not responsible, ignorant, and just and just pathetic, then <laughs> when you when you're doing a global, um, worldwide sort of like neo-communist takeover, it's a lot easy compared to having like lots of strong, stoic, hardcore men that can autistically put like a 40 kilogram backpack on and run over mountains for three days in a row. You don't want a bunch of them. You want a bunch of um, confused retards. And we have a chunk of those, unfortunately. Is that what masculinity is? Like backpacks? Because I think it'd be good to just define that. And then if we have a an idea of, you know, the, the title of the podcast was Making Masculinity Great Again. What's the benchmark by which we measure that? Is it chivalrous knights of old? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so it's, it's nebulous, right? And it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But I think there are um, objective truths in the inner, just like there are objective truths in the manifested world. So, like, you know, no matter what anyone's opinion is, iron is iron, or, like, the weak nuclear force is the weak nuclear force. So, too, I think there are objective facts in, you know, the psyche and the spirit. And I think um, so. When, so, if we're trying to grapple with what masculinity is, I think we should try to uh, um, grapple at that archetypal level, which which I understand is a uh, is an objective fact. And I think what it is is, is masculine energy um, is uh, dominant in the manifested world, whereas like uh, like femininity is more dominant in the first stage of, of the um, of, of the inner planes, which is why like you know traditionally we kneel to women because like. You know, especially people like knights, like chivalrous people, like the Knights Templar, for example, because you, um, you know, you being lord of the of the manifested world, kneel to something which is superior, because the spiritual forces are, are, are superior to the manifested. Um, so it's uh, it's the active principle, um, rather than so so an active principle psycho spiritually would be like, I don't know, like logic abstraction. Um, like kind of acute uses of, of 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 the psyche, whereas like to contrast that, the more feminine principles are states of being. So like you know, forgiveness, for example, it's not an acute application of the psyche or the spirit. It's it's a being, which always confused me actually for years in my life coaching practice. Because like, how the fuck do you forgive? 
and it's like it's the wrong it's the wrong question like because it, it, it's it's a beingness same with sensuality which is way a, a lot of men me me definitely included get sensuality wrong because we try to break it down in terms of these like acute things and it's it's not it's a field it's being uh you know the the, the venetian spirit of our psyche is is is, is there so I, I think like I've, I've given you a few ideas there so to, to underline that it's it's dominance in the manifested world it's the acute part of the psyche it's the active principle as opposed to the receptive field that the active principle moves into i think archetypally it's summed up like as um as one of you guys said like as like nobility chivalry that kind of thing but, but what do you make of all that guys that uh, rings true to anyone who does any sort of esoteric research or symbolism research you think of masculine being the active principle and feminine being the passive mm-hmm. and so say the chalice for example that's a feminine symbol because it's the receptacle and it, it go, yeah. comes it comes from biology at the end of the day this is how we procreate there is an active participant and a Passive is, we're using this in, in terms mm-hmm. that you wouldn't use in, in interpersonal relationships, as I, you know, but that's how the system works. You have an active and a passive coming together, which creates a new life out of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. And people have known this for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. But why do you think we're, we're gaslighting everyone out of that? And like the conversation we're having there is like, is a little taboo, isn't it? And it's like, it, if you were saying that to a bunch of normies, you can imagine the defensiveness that might happen. I think I'm a normie. <laughs> well, something's <laughs> something's gone wrong, isn't it? Something's been we're being hijacked. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cu- culturally, we're being hijacked, and so we have these concepts like toxic masculinity now. So the things that you've suggested would make uh, sort of a would be a paradigm of masculinity are seen as negative things now things that should be avoided shunned shamed yeah because because the cabal um like scar from the lion king which archetypally they are so they they behave very true to that archetypal form are afraid of the big frightening alpha male lion and so so they they spend a lot of their propaganda points which are limited and precious to them um, gaslighting and, and sort of undermining the things they are most afraid of. And one of them is true masculinity. They can't handle it. Um, and so they have to um, deal with it through indirect means, not head on, like poisoning, undermining various different spiritual forces, gossip things. And, and this would work for an individual kind of play out of this dynamic, um, just as it does like in, in the whole, you know, big world with like, you know, us and the cabal and that kind of thing. <coughs> Um, so, Scar, that's a good example. I mean, that's like a, there's a polar relationship there, isn't there, between Scar and, and, and Mufasa? So, the, but the, this is like the, you've got the positive and the dark side of masculinity there, haven't you? Represented in the two brothers in that character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's such a good insight. Like, what what made you bring that idea up? It just came to me then. <laughs> I, I, was okay, coughing, okay. I was coughing. I thought one of these two might speak. And they didn't, so I just went, Scar. Scar is evil, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so like, the, the, the cool thing about that is, like, it's a shadow, right? And this applies to all of us going through this great awakening process right now. Like, Mufasa, um, who's the dad, and Simba is, like, the, the young one, right? So Simba needs Scar. Um, he needs him because his that's his shadow material projected out into the manifested world. Without Scar, he'd, he'd stay as a retard, <laughs> like the whole of his life. 
Whereas by Scar like challenging him on his weaknesses, he's he either gets destroyed by it and enslaved, which has happened to a lot of people down here at this point, or you um, overcome. And you always have a choice. If you read like um, Man's Search for Meaning, for example, like that Viktor Frankl book about the concentration camps, like the, the thing he says in that book is like, look, you've always got a choice. You can always choose your, your perspective and you can always choose your actions, even in a freaking concentration camp. And one of the things you, me, anyone listening to this may choose to do is to choose to overcome uh, the, the scar or the new world order or, 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 or like the various narcissistic abusers in our life. And if we overcome them, then the um, the weaknesses that they expose us on get fixed. They get fixed spiritually, they get fixed in the psyche, and then they get fixed in the manifested world, which all that stuff eventually goes to. And so, so what this is in this in this great awakening and great reset time is one gigantic shadow material test, just like the Lion King, just like that great narrative, that hero's journey thing, where where the the, the cabal plays our, our own shadow material to an extreme level. And it's only in this really weird environment where you have such an extreme energy where should enough of us choose to overcome it rather than succumb and be enslaved, then a, pro a propulsion, a psycho-spiritual propulsion takes place where we get to open up some really core cool faculties of the psyche, which um, you know ha have been largely closed for, well, I reckon about 12,000 years or so. so. So, sorry, in terms of like the psyche then, what do you mean by certain facets of the psyche have been closed for for twelve thousand years? Can you? Well, like, was it was it you that like picked up like the esoteric stuff I was talking about earlier? I know a little bit. I mean, I've read one Carl Jung book, so the archetypes, but that's about it, really, in terms of my sort of uh, knowledge. I would say, and a lot of that was, you know, that was the first one I'd read. Um, I think I tried to read one about religion, but it just seemed like. A one long sentence so i gave up with that one and started with this one um which was mildly easier to understand um but yeah i don't know I, yeah i can't remember what i said to you to be honest yeah well I, I just like um well i mean what you're saying about carl jung he's really hard to read and, and i think anyone listening to this is interested in, in getting into Jung. the way to do it is read a good book or a few good books that are written about him by someone else <laughs> and then you're ready to tackle him so the, the best way i did it is with um Murray Stein's Jung's Map of the Soul. So if anyone's interested, he's the best way into Jung mm. that, that I found. But I mean, like, like most of us are are, are, are like are using like a, a tiny little fraction of, of of what our psyches and our spirit, which is one big continuum, right? So like the spooky stuff that might happen if one of us took way too much LSD or something and had this like paradoxical experience where we merged with the whole universe or something like that. Like that's 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 still. I mean, pretty much anyone could do that, you know, today if you wanted to. Um, but like that's that's part of the same continuum that goes to like you know, what the sort of vanilla thinking that most Western psychologists might represent or like an emotion that like maybe an artist would have a high resolution grappling with or something like that. And equally, then that continues to, to the manifested world that like, you know, like a like a physicist would understand. So so what I'm what I'm suggesting is that um, part of actually a, a very key central foundation part of the matrix, the, the, the great conspiracy that we're in, is that we've been locked in the manifested world that all of our attention has gone progressively over many, many years away from these higher aspects of, of spirit and then the higher like aspects of psyche. And now like you, you get your average materialist reductionist person that thinks that like all they are is their body and their, their brain is where the thinking happens and consciousness, if it even exists at all, is some quaint epiphenomenon of the brain. 
Um, whereas, like, you know, I think a more fuller understanding of things is like the manifested world is at most, and I do mean at most, like 10%, it's probably not even 1%, to be honest, of this much vaster reality that exists in all these inner planes. And um, and if we can open up to that through the, you know, the Great Awakening and the stuff I was talking about a bit earlier, then the, the coolest things happen. And the, the one of the, the main cool things that happens, guys, is like that that anxiety that depression that like living death in that boring slave clown world that everyone seems to be freaking living in where up is down and, and good is evil and and like and these absurdities just running around everywhere that ends and, and a fullness and a sense of life and 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 like just just fun and magic and joy floods into you and it, and it doesn't just stop there like it, it goes way way further that so that, nice. that's what's on the table do we do we just have to drop acid and watch the lion king then I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit more to it than that then i'm afraid uh, i think God, you can get some results from that yeah maybe yeah i'm out so uh, it sounds like um would this co uh, correlate to carl jung's concept of individuation it's exactly that but it's 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 hard to understand it i think when, no when, when you read the stuff <laughs> no shit yeah <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah. the way I, I'm very much, I've only read one book. Well, I've got about 30 pages left, and it's the same one you, you read about, you lent me about Carl Jung. And so the way I understand it is you're trying to make yourself whole. You're trying to make your psyche whole again. So we have this ego, this sort of conscious personality that that we, with all our thoughts and feelings encompassed with it that we have during our waking lives. And then we have this other sort of great unknown psyche that exists unconsciously or subconsciously, which has a great deal of effect on how we operate, which we've I've learned doing this podcast with various guests like Jahan Satori talks a lot about unconscious and how mm -hmm. it can influence us. And it's about not trying to destroy that part of the psyche or ignore it or put it in a box mm -hmm. and, and not let it affect you, but trying to integrate it into your conscious being so that you're a whole, you're an individual, and that's why he calls it individuation. Is that, would you say that's relatively accurate, or could you expand on it? Yeah, 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 well, I, I think I think you very beautifully um, explained, like, the kind of the kind of textbook definition of it, and, and, and I would agree with the, the denotations of what you say there, but the connotations I, I would respectfully um, push back on, because, like, because it's the connotation, the spirit that, that you... you, you um, you express that with is like it's kind of like a western psychology thing where it's like oh yeah and you get your subconscious all dialed in about and it's optimized and you're much happier and things are good it's like yeah m yeah maybe well it will but but actually like if you really understand what the subconscious is um, and what the inner planes are and what it means to understand like the relationship between inner and outer and like you know and all that kind of stuff it is a lot lot more than just um you know, like doing your business a bit better or having a better relationship with your wife or something. It's uh, it's it's infinitely vaster than that. Uh, it's the sort the, the spirit I think is understood better when when you think of Jung as like an alchemist. You know, yeah. like maybe a lot of people don't know that like um um that he he went through this alchemical transformation, which is the same as a Gnostic um sort of transformation, awakening transformation, whatever you want to call it. And then he read these books like from the Chinese alchemists afterwards. And he was like, oh, wow, these people had the same thing happen to them that happened to me. 
So he had that validation from this other 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 school um, from it. So I, I think if, if you think of him as like a Gnostic or an alchemist, whilst I definitely agree with the, the, the denotations of what you're saying there, the spirit of what he did and what he's trying to communicate um, comes through. So he's not a psychologist like the West, like we people always sanitize these great geniuses. Neither is Newton a physicist. He was an occultist. Well, neither was Pythagoras a triangle dude. He was a, like a mega, like a mystery school teacher. And, and, and Jung wasn't a psychotherapist. Like the guy was a Gnostic or an alchemist. He was one of the great Gnostic prophets of our time, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of, um, yeah, I'm only just dipping my feet into Carl Jung, but um, just by, I was kind of intimidated, to be honest. I've been reading esoteric stuff and, and, and whatnot for quite a few years now. And if you talk to, you know, people who are involved in theosophy or occult subjects, um, they hold him in such a high regard as being yeah. this sort of, uh, he's put on a pedestal. Everyone talks about Carl Jung or is influenced by Carl Jung. And so I find it, I found it quite intimidating to start because I, thought, I was like, what if I don't get it? What if I, I'm just a bit thick and I won't understand it and stuff? What if I'm not prepared? And uh, so I'm glad I dipped my feet in. I think I picked up quite a lot. I understood more than I maybe thought I would do. But there is still, you know, for anyone going in cold, Mm -hmm. I think you would really struggle. I mean, there are some really obscure references in there. I mean, it's the it's the breadth. It, what's the it, breadth of his reading? His reading in, into incredible some, into myth and legend, and he, he all, all incorporates it all into this. You know, his his kind of theory or whatever. You know, his worldview of of the psyche. Essentially, one of the really interesting things was towards the end. If you're reading about that, about the mandalas. And he's just got like pages and pages um, of mandalas in that book where he kind of considers that as a way that people um, fix what's, I can't remember the term, but basically uh, bring the psyche back together essentially when it's been broken um, to, you know, aid recovery essentially. And he found, um, he says, um, I have no reason to not believe him, that basically all of these mandalas that he found, sorry, that put in the book, um, were spontaneously produced by uh, loads of patients across like 20 years or something um, in various asylums and stuff. And all of them have esoteric um, sort of symbolism all the way through them. It's crazy. And, the, you know, you can see it from, you know, and he, he sort of maps them to like Tibetan drawings and things like that. And they're being spontaneously produced, basically. So that points, I don't know, it points to something, whether that's like a... Uh, an in-out kind of thing, you know, that people kind of absorb this stuff unconsciously from religion and all the different sources of information, or whether that's, you know, like he says, that's within, you know, that's unconscious, that's the archetype um, coming out. Um, I don't know, but yeah, certainly interesting. Well, I mean, my my lived experience and theoretical research and practice into this stuff is it's definitely like it's an archetype bubbling up through the inner planes expressing it just like Carl Jung thought I mean it's the same thing that like you might anyone familiar with like Joseph Campbell might see when some like random Inuit tribe that's been disconnected from everyone for like 10,000 years has the same sort of narratives and sort of like story archetypes in their myths and legends 
and it's like oh yeah but maybe it's the same flood and it's yeah maybe but like probably not right like like it, it doesn't really fit properly because they don't have the same historical records it's it it, it fits perfectly though to understand the, the the bubbling up of these um of these archetypes through the inner planes and actually like i'm confident enough to say like maybe one of you three or like or certainly someone in our audience would experience this where like either through um like some sort of active imagination process, like what Carl Jung was doing, where he's just sketching and he just sketches out these random mandalas. You know, he's like, why am I drawing another mandala? Could have drawn anything. I did another mandala. Why? Or like you see it in your dreams or you, you may, maybe you see it in your vision or something like that. Like like p people in this audience would notice these things. And then you look the symbol up and you're, and, and you're like, well, I didn't know about that. But it turns out this, this is this big symbol, which has been around for thousands of years and stuff, because because these symbols get close to that archetypal world, which speaks to us um, through those those vehicles that we, we just talked about there. Yeah, um, I, 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 it's just a, a real strange phenomenon, I would say, definitely. Um, and one that's really hard to, to, I suppose, ignore and to not say that it's perhaps coming, you know. Um, I'd like to believe that, it, you know, we all have this kind of genetically or whatever. You know, it's passed down through us, you know, through our biology. Um, but it's quite a tricky thing, I suppose, to um, actually say for certain, I guess. For materialists, it would be, yeah. definitely. But but that's the prison that we're in, mm -hmm. you see. No, yeah, yeah, definitely, I would agree. Uh, going back to masculinity, because we sort of, we sort of deviated to young. Um, so, so tenants have been a good, you know, uh, exemplar of masculinity. I'm thinking like Jordan, someone like Jordan Peterson would talk about responsibility as being a primary factor. Would you be on that sort of uh, stream as well? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, yeah. I, I, what, what do you guys think responsibility has to do with masculinity? I think there's there's different levels to responsibility. So there are sort of physical responsibilities. If you're a parent, you have physical responsibilities to your wife or partner and children. Uh, it's probably I'm probably sound like a dinosaur and rather unfashionable now, but your your primary role is to protect your family mm -hmm. physically. Yeah. Uh, and then there are sort of uh, the sort of hierarchy of needs. Who's that guy? Maslow. Maslow. Maslow's Maslow. hierarchy of needs. So you want to provide shelter for your family and uh, a comfortable life. Maybe not too comfortable, because then you end up with well, then you end up with these slush fund kids, and they yeah. turn out a complete mess because they've had everything done for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so yes, there is hardship is required mm. to develop a person. But they're sort of physical, sort of boring responsibilities. I think. Um, You've got to be responsible for your own actions that's um, and your own behaviour. I think that's very important to be a masculine man. Uh, hold yourself accountable for what you do and say. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, how do you how do you demonstrate that? And uh... I don't know. Fuck it. Well, the thing that the thing that out came came to my mind when while she were talking then is uh, you know. The ability to, like you said, recognize when you've done something wrong and apologize, basically. Yes, that's something a lot. Of us, that's something a lot of us struggle with. But we all know, we all know when we've done it because you yeah. feel it. Mm -hmm. You feel it in your heart. If presuming you have one, you know when you overreact because your kids are winding you up and you yeah. raise your voice when you know you had that split second to make a decision. Are you going to overreact for what? For your own psychic benefit? 
not to benefit anyone else. You're doing it for yourself, for your own, uh, some sort of dark thing that goes in, on in your head that, that that makes you want to lash out because you, it'll make you feel better for a split second. Yeah, when you and, get to our age, Richard, you have a litany of mistakes you can look back <laughs> on and uh, learn from. I've got plenty of mistakes, but but no, I mean, like I I, un- I deeply understand that like sadistic um, impulse that we all have, and like you know, to the degree to, to which we don't take responsibility for ourselves. Like, not only do we make tons of chaos in the world, but by our being and thoughts and emotions, our own psyche starts to get retarded. And one of the ways it retards itself is you is you start to sustain yourself from the um, from like the sadistic impulse. So you go far enough from that and you can really enjoy that, you know, and, and uh, like I've coached people that, that are very far gone on this kind of thing, you know, like narcissism, you know, psychopathy, that sort of thing. And like, like the, 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 big, the biggest prize to those people is like just to take someone that's shining, you know, just glowing and, and, and good and just like maybe over a long period of time, like over a month or two, and then just like crush what is good and break their heart and destroy them. And it's it's a very prized kick that people like that would feel. So it's it's remarkably common. And a lot of people, re- one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up is a lot of people that actually don't realise that that's the case. But because um, like with the cabal, like I find that w- when I'm you know respectfully talking to people that are like a, a layer or two into the conspiracy thing and they're working it out, they tend to ascribe like their motivations to greed. Oh yeah, it's all about money. It's like, it's not, man. These these clowns have already already got all the money and all the stuff. The, the the goals they have are um are, are psycho spiritual in the way that I was explaining sadism there, and then overtly spiritual into a formalized religion, and because actually like you know when they do their get woke go broke and all that they they lose their money, but it's actually useful for the kind of the 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 the, the big project the big psycho spiritual project they have with their like slave system, but also for their for the for the type of sadism that um Phil was talking about there a little bit. Is not part of it the kind of personalities that get into the positions at the, you know, the top 0.1%, you know, people who run the IMF or the EU or some big multinational? Is there a component there? Yeah, well, like, so there's two things. There's, like, what the, the club, the cabal, selects for, and, and being a satanic uh organization that selects for the sort of traits that you might imagine a satanic one does which is the inversion of um of good but like but also like in in these big centralized power structures let's just say what you you got one that wasn't you know overtly controlled by the cabal yeah like in in a lot of ways it selects for like things like narcissism and machiavellianism and that kind of thing the way it's set up like if you i don't know if anyone's done like office jobs and stuff like that but like in a way the, the game is set up to favor people that play politics or like talk out both sides of their mouth or like a good emotional manipulators and not sincere or like to use game theory language, like play the defect strategy, but do it with a smile on your face. I think a lot of those centralized systems are, are, in our culture right now are kind of set up to favor that thing. So I think through both of those mechanisms, either the cabal wants you because you're a, you know, like a, like a pedophile, like, you know, sadist or something, which is literally the case. Or or if you're just like a low-key evil person that's sort of like not only adapted to these awful systems, but like incentivize them. Because because if, if you're in if you're if you're too consumed by all this like corruption of the soul, right? 
that there is one thing that these clowns want every day, um, and that is you need the superior position, need it like a junkie needs heroin or whatever, and you and you are terrified of the inferior position, because absence of absent of a stronger psycho spiritual energy source, you have to rely on this persona game, where the persona, this like kind of contrived fragmented bit of the psyche that you kind of affiliate yourself with, needs that superiority, and if it shatters, like you you have this like sort of like psycho spiritual death thing and and then you, you know that's happening because they go into this joffrey like rage um so 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 if if your incentive if your incentives are like that then the one one of the best places you could think of go to go would be like to climb a, a corporation because you might get close to the top and then you're special you're superior and and that it, you know if your psyche is built that way there's a big re- kind of quote unquote reward for that I'm just wondering, you know, is there a place then um, how you can, I suppose, survive in the system that we have, you know, whilst trying to, um, I don't know, uh, incorporate your kind of psyche into this, you know, reach those higher planes or however you want to kind of uh, phrase it, the process of individuation, that kind of thing. How would you go about that living in a, a system that's set up like that? Essentially. Man, that's such a good question. Like, like, well, well, that's that's what all of us here are doing right now. You know, that's our big challenge, and that's what we're here doing. And like, you know, that that's what I my life coaching practice is all about. I didn't actually know it would be about this when I started out, but I, I know for sure now it is. It's it's to do exactly what you said there. And like, oh wow, I mean, there's a long answer to that. I mean, how have you guys done it so far? Yeah, just keep you on the QT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... I've I've changed quite a lot over the last maybe 10 or 15 years. Um, so for an example, 10 or 15 years ago, my weekends revolved around football. So I would get up Saturday morning, um, I'd put uh, Jeff on Sky Sports News or whatever the fuck it was. Uh-huh. And then, oh, 12 o'clock, time for Football Focus, BBC One. Watch that for an hour. All oh, right, it's nearly time to go to the match. We'll have a pint in the pub first. And uh, watch the match live at three o'clock. Come on, maybe have a pint on the way home at six. And so from like nine in the morning till six at night on every Saturday or every other Saturday, my and Tuesday night football and Sundays matches, you know, my life was consumed, particularly my weekends. What a smooth with, uh, brain. <laughs> with football. And uh, I just came to the conclusion, I don't know what the trigger was, that this is a fucking joke and a waste of time. And... Uh, I've not been on a football match for well over a decade. I don't watch any football now. I've sort of moved on to other media, so I don't watch TV anymore. I very rarely watch any films. Um, music I don't listen to anymore, very rarely. So, yeah, the, the, I think maybe the media you, cons- you consume can help you or, or lack thereof to sort of, like Matt was saying, how you navigate the system. Maybe not waste so much time on meaningless shit i think the biggest real realization i had when i had kids was that the only thing that's that's truly the only uh thing that we have that's truly limited is time we only get so much of it and we don't know how much we have and i'm not prepared to waste my time on meaningless shit anymore yeah, so so I think that's one of the, to the, a degree. The really I do I do still I do still <laughs> play out. video games, but it's one night for two hours a week, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Maybe what's oh man, I love a computer game. They're so freaking <laughs> addictive, but I love them so much. 
Sorry, I interrupted you. What were you going to say, Richard? No, 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 it's cool, man. I mean, it's a valid point. Like, I, I was going to say that, like, like that's one of the ways that the two civilization is divided, right? Like, one is is meaningless and like contrived, and the other one is real and full of meaning, and 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 the meaningness and the realness is is the antidote to to the insanity that most people have faced. Well, it's like you. I can't believe it. You brought up um, Victor Frankl, which is mm. probably the most impactful book I've ever read. I mentioned it when I did 13 questions. One of the 13 questions yeah. was, what, what's the most influential book you ever read? And I, I was straight on to Viktor Frankl because it's kind of harrowing, if I can say the yeah. word properly. And it's uh, similar to the Gulag Archipelago in the way it highlights how uh, vulnerable we are and yeah. how um, all it, it doesn't take much to lead people to do things that um, are heinous and unconscionable. Yeah, that's that was interesting because um, that I, I, I've said this when when I did that the same very same podcast, didn't I? After you and I spoke about your interpretation. I know you probably had different interpretations of it, but you mentioned Richard. Perhaps what I took away from that book was more that, despite his circumstances. And, you know, his idea to me was, you know, that despite any kind of circumstances that you can go through, you can decide to either um, act in line with your own values or you can kind of give up, essentially. That's the the difference, I suppose. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Beautifully expressed. Yeah, that that's the message. Yes. Um, I would say, but you could, you could spin it the way that, he kind of said because you know I think we're could... saying the same thing. <laughs> I suppose the, yeah, they are the, the, same the thing. point the point mm. is is that you have a choice. And it, it comes back to what we're saying before about mm. being accountable and being responsible for your own actions. Mm. And so you have well, a, you have a choice in how you behave. Well like, like take take the scamdemic. Like I mean we're talking about concentration camp guards and stuff like that. We all learn it how many people can perhaps ourselves can become concentration camp guards when 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 the when the conditions are right from that episode. Yeah, people snitching on the neighbors. From yeah, and like doing, and stuff. The, the, doing that retarded clap like it's North Korea on Thursday, yeah. remember that? <laughs> Hey, yeah, I work well, in the well, NHS and I, I enjoyed every single clap. But it, the social conditioning <laughs> part is really interesting because a lot of people did it for social. They didn't want, they, they wondered, what will, my, was, what will my neighbours think of me exactly, if they don't yeah, see exactly. me clapping on it wasn't, my porch? It wasn't because they wanted, you know, there was conversations in, in my household around doing it. Um, and it was, it, 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 we, you know, me and my wife was kind of saying like, um, we both don't want to do this. It's absolutely pointless. Um, but, you know, you had that social pressure to do it because, like, exactly. the neighbours were out doing it. Um, and I think, it, it, thankfully, down our street, I think it lasted only a few days. Before. About, about four doors down from us, there's a little old lady who used to come out and she used to come to end at drive. <laughs> and she, she'd be looking like this and looking <laughs> down the street to see who was out and who wasn't. But the other thing as well, I suppose, you know, a little old lady, perhaps that was her only uh, contact, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know. But anyway, we're going off a little bit off off piece there. And I don't even know what no, we're it's, talking about. It's, it's on point. But like, like, so so there's that side of things. But there's also like, um, um, like, like if you, uh, there's a certain, we're on YouTube, so we've got to use euphemisms. So, so like there's a certain well-known medical treatment, right? 
And everyone's like, oh, I have to have it. I have to have it. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah, but I'll lose my job or I can't go on holiday or I can't or, or everyone's going to think I'm a weirdo or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you don't have to like like you're pressured to. There's social pressure. There's spiritual pressure in some cases. There's all sorts of weird economic pressures and stuff like that. But you don't have. to. And that's the same thing that Victor Frankl was get, getting mm. getting on, man. Like if, 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 if you have a conviction that you didn't want to do it, you didn't do it. But if if you if you gave in to the economic pressures or, or or the social pressures or or enough of them anyway, then it got you, you know. Yeah, it was cross. It was it Jordan Peterson again talking about crossing that line. Uh, yeah. In a famous interview, I can't remember exactly what he <laughs> said, but he 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 sort of broached it in psychological terms that by coercing people to accept the magic juice into their life when they didn't want to. You were sort of being psychologically bashed with each dose that you were administered with. You were, yes. Yeah. And I guess that's why, I mean, well, I will just say, go to Richard's uh, website, links in the show notes, because there's a special section on this subject for counselling with people who maybe have regret in this regard. And, um, yeah, but it's a dangerous topic. I don't want to get this whole thing chucked off YouTube just over, you know, one topic. But, um, Thanks yeah. for the plug. Oh, yeah, it's always there. Links in the show notes, as always. And it's on the screen as well. Um, I'll tell you what, you mentioned stoicism earlier. Now, is this a component of masculinity? And also, broadening it a bit, thinking back to the old Romans, they were very fond of the concept of virtues, Certain things yeah. are virtuous, and this is another old-fashioned thing that we don't talk about anymore. Yeah, like well, well, I think I think they got robbed from our parents' generation, right? I think they like I, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but like our parents kind of had them, but they didn't know why. They kind of knew you should tell the truth, and they knew that you should have responsibility and all that, but they didn't know why. So then, then when we all like rebelled and didn't do it, and 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 we're like, well, why should I tell the truth, or why should I, you know, like take responsibility or whatever they're like well you just should all right and 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 then so so then our generation is like well there's no good reason not to so i so i won't and then we run this great experiment of what happens when you just let everything fly and we find out what kind of results you get and and what happens is that because because we're, we're spiritual beings right so you don't just get to do whatever you want to do in isolation right everything's recorded and there's there's an unbelievably complex all-encompassing impact to like every thought and emotion and a deeper ripple of our psyche that you have and it's it's actually soul crushing it when when you really think about it so like when when you let when you do stuff that's in absence of virtue a, a, a retardation process happens and the confusing thing is it doesn't initially or maybe ever really but certainly initially it happen in the manifested world so a materialist culture can't really understand it but we become corrupted and then we have all these weird knock-on effects happening in the world, somewhat by causality, mostly by synchronicity, which again is a hard concept for, for a materialist concept to happen. But but to put it simply, like just shit seems to to, 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 to come. Whereas like if, if you dial in on the, the virtues, like you tell your truth, you clean your room, as the great Jordan, Jordan <laughs> Peterson says, like, um, you know, you, you, you develop strength, you develop like compassion, you develop charity, you, you, you develop um, good boundaries. I can't tell you how many freaking hundreds of hours of coaching i've spent helping everyone with that then not only does your own life improve both both in direct causal ways but also in synchronistic ways but like a field around you things tend to get better and 
you know, like one of the good things about like satan living in a satanic clown world on the edge of a like a global dystopian nightmare is like when when you're a bit tempted to like give in to the or at least I feel this way when I'm tempted to give in to the darker parts of my character, just think, oh, what would happen if I did this? And maybe I should just backslide on this for a few months and see what happens. Like the computer games, for example, like they're fantastic, but they bring out the worst in me. There's this little voice in my head saying, "Look, Rich, if you slip, if you if you let off for a little bit, man, these guys." They're gonna they're gonna come for you. They're gonna do you in, or they they're gonna grow unchecked. So so I find that like so the virtues are for us fundamentally. They're there for our own strength and benefit primarily. But if we don't get them dialed in enough, um, the uh, the the enemy, the cabal, is 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 gonna proliferate, and um, the worst possible outcome imaginable will happen for a time here if we don't. trying to think what the worst possible outcome i can imagine is <laughs> well like like uh microchips uh forced medical treatments for everyone um cashless society every minute little thing that you do plus a ton of things you don't even know is is tracked run by the worst possible psychopathic monsters plugged into to a to a spiritual force that's even worse than they are running everything from a centralized position something like that good summary yeah excellent Thanks. summary mm. yeah terrifying yeah uh, but so, you know we we can't control what happens sort of outside of our sphere of influence i like how you describe it's almost like a ripple effect that when you change yeah. your behavior it, it sort of ripples out around you this is some of the concept that people don't People, a lot of people who maybe don't listen to podcasts like this aren't cognizant of is that how your behavior affects other people continuously and for all time, forever. It's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to cash it record sort of territory here. I'm sort of a bit mm, not sure how I feel about that. But just on a, on a physical and societal level, it is obvious the way you affect ripples through humanity and history for the rest of time. So you better start taking notice of it you ever have it when like you go and go in a room right and for whatever reason you've got this real loving energy in you today like maybe your training's good you've done some saunering or like you, you've done some good work right and you've got that loving glowing confident effortlessly confident energy you don't even need to say anything man you, you lift the room up with that stuff yeah that's a good point it's almost um Oh my gosh, yeah. Whether it's sort of, I don't know if it's like um, unconscious cues that people are picking up or an emotional intelligence cues or something, but you, you can tell. I mean, it's the same. It goes the other way as well with negative energy, doesn't it? When someone yeah, walks into a room and mm -hmm. you just get this vibe about that person, like something's not right, you know? Yeah, and, and a, a lot of that, that's the beginnings of, of how a lot of left hand path sorcery works. It's that, but just like sort of practiced and then sort of like with this acute kind of purposeful ego driven aim to it. But, but, but it's, it's not, um, it, it is nonverbal and it is physical, but, it, but it's not, it, it, it's telepathic and not merely for the surface part of our psyche. There's other parts of the psyche that also sort of connect to it. Like, um, you know, like, like grass in a field, like they're, they're all part of the same soil you know so like if there's a if there's wetness in this bit of the soil it sort of spreads generally to a general area it's uh it's a bit like that yeah um we didn't really talk about stoicism we sort of uh, skipped over that um 
how would you sort of how how do you implement stoicism sort of on a day to day basis? Well, like, I I think one of the great things about stoicism is like like the the classic books on it, which are about two thousand years old. A lot of them are are really really good, and it doesn't matter where you are in your personal development journey. Like you could be like an eleven year old or someone that's starting this stuff when you're thirty or educated not educated it doesn't really matter you pick up like marcus aurelius or seneca i think there's four big ones from like that time period you pick them up you read it and it's just it's it's infinitely relatable there's also a couple of really good stoic books that have been written these days um do you know the guy that wrote the obstacle is the way anyone know him no i don't no well that's a good book it, it, like it's a modern guy that wrote um that wrote some modern takes on stoicism and that that book's really good and there's a there's a, there's another book um, I forgot I forget the name Irvin is the guy's name is the philosopher that wrote it but like again for some reason with stoicism like it, it it missed that like crap English thing where they have to like when when you could say something with four words and instead you use like forty you know and you use all these like fancy words instead of saying really simple words so they use really simple words it's really clean and like there's something there for everyone at whatever stage of personal development you're on so start with those brilliant books. And then, and then, and then, and then understand why they're saying it. Like it's there for your benefit and then the betterment of your family or even just perfect strangers that are all around you and then do it. And then the cool thing about this age guys is, is that we're, there's so much suffering that there is so much sadness. There's so much disorder. There's so much anxiety and depression and malaise and ugly architecture and meaninglessness all around. And and the cool thing about all that stuff is, is, is it's a catalyst. The job of evil is, is, is a catalyst to, to wake up, um sleeping um sleeping consciousness that's degraded too far it's literally the purpose of it so 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 like people are suffering hard these days you know and 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 so there's an impetus to 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 read stoicism and stuff like that so perhaps it's good to know there's things like that they're available where if you're hurting enough and you're like look i'm in such pain i don't care what can i do to make this better all right you can read a book on stoicism and see what seneca thinks about living a, a more full noble life yeah, I mean, um, I, I I know he's sort of he's starting to go out of fashion now, Jordan Peterson, but I don't think you can underestimate the effect he had when it comes to uh, meaning, finding meaning in life, the lessons he, he's been talking about. And um, it's, it's, I think it's telling that he has such a following in young men. And I know, you know, the lefties think, well, that's because they're all uh, incels or... You know, I don't know the gaming, well, <laughs> misogynists and all that. But no, the 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 young lads who have who are struggling to find meaning in their lives, and he's offering some some pretty straightforward old school lessons about how to derive meaning in your life. Love him or hate him, I think his impact is cultural impact is pretty huge. Has been pretty huge. Mm. Couldn't agree more. I think the man is a freaking angel, and I think the reason he's been maligned. And his audience have been misrepresented so deliberately and so consistently is because it freaking works what he had to say and and the, the lessons are great and if you do them if you if you pick up the things he's telling you they bloody work where i where i would respectfully um push back a little bit on pearson is like he'll take you so far and it's and it's very far and very needed and noble and like look if i could do a teeny weeny little fraction of the good that guy has done for this planet, I will, I will end this life feeling very, very happy, right? Because the man's an angel. Done. 
That said, he is not woo enough, as Cliff High would say, right? Like, we, we, we were talking a little bit off air about this before this started. Like, you won't hear Jordan Peterson talk about crop circles. You won't hear him talk about aliens. You won't hear him talk about, like, the, the weirder Gnostic stuff that Carl Jung was up to. You won't hear him talk about, like... I don't know, man, like the cabal and the satanic ritual abuse those guys are up to and on and on and on, right? But the thing is, our, our actual reality is actually made of that stuff. And actually, the reason why the crop circles and the satanic ritual abuse and the weirder end of cryptocurrency and all this sort of stuff is, is maligned is because that's where the bleeding edge of the action is, you know? And 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 and, the, and it's one of the, the greatest maps that there is to navigate this satanic clan world we're all in is just find the thing that is the most maligned most out there that you're definitely prohibited by the mainstream from saying go there and that is where you find the most meaning and so so i think you know like jordan peterson does a great job within that the little that big framework that he's in but there's a crucial missing bit at the end and should you want to navigate this ridiculous powerful time in history that we're in you need the aliens. You need the uh, the satanic ritual abuse of uh, and the sorcery that those guys are up to. You need to understand what the cabal is about. You need to understand about Gnosticism and forbidden history and what was going on in Atlantis and all that kind of stuff. Because if you don't have that, you've got missing bits of the map and, you, and, and you're not going to be accurate. And, you know, poor old Peterson, with great respect to that venerable man, was taken in by all the psyops and stuff at the beginning of the... Uh, <clears throat> You know the, the 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 operation, and he took a certain medical procedure as well. And Richard, do you uh, do you not think it's a shrewd move by Peterson to not be so woo because he does want to be a successful author and actually sell some books to to the people? Yeah, I mean, like you you could make that case. I, I would say you're sacrificing the greater for the lesser if, if if you do that. And the people, me and my colleagues, I don't know, maybe you'd be different. I, I'd be curious to know. Like, but the people we we respect the most are the ones that like relentlessly just say like forget the books forget the 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 message forget the, how it's perceived just what's the truth what's the truth what's the truth graham hancock springs to mind like i i love that man and i think Fuck the reason graham why hancock. i love that <laughs> <laughs> have you got the from last week sorry this is a, that's a, that's an inside joke um <laughs> from our guest uh last week tune in for part oh, okay. two yeah say. yeah tune in for part two <laughs> Um, so do you actually like uh, Graham Hancock? Uh, very much so. Yeah, yes. I've read his books. Yeah, I've read a lot of his books. I'm, I'm with him. I'm not with him 100% of the way. Uh, I'm sort of um, sceptical of the New Age stuff. Um, just through other books that I've read. I uh, um, Going back, Carl Jung, you know, is sceptical of the New Age stuff. When he's talking about... Um, there are certain Gnostic ideas and other ideas about um, unity, about us being like a shard of light, a shard of consciousness, and we need to reunite with the whole. And Carl Jung makes the point that this is this is almost sort of uh, giving way to the unconscious. And uh, that's why he, he sort of hammers on this point that it's about integration. It's not about uh, releasing over. the consciousness and be put, becoming part of this greater whole, this... Uh, what's he call it? The collective unconscious. That would be a big no-no. It's about integrating and stuff. So yeah, I'm very skeptical about the new age stuff and all the Gaia, the Gaia stuff and all that. Um, and Hancock seems to be one of the biggest or most successful successful mouthpieces. I would say. 
Well, there's so much to unpack there. I think in broad strokes, I, I agree with you. Like the the new because the new age means a lot of things, right? Yeah. So so, so the, the age of Aquarius and and the, the awakening of of this new Gnostic paradigm, a million percent behind behind that and, and with that. But but like um, you know, the new age is like where it's like a flower of life shirt and like all these like cheap like spiritual cliches and like kind of like like spiritual narcissism where like instead of getting a ferrari or getting like a big instagram account you're, you're, you're sort of like showing people how spiritual you are as a way to prop <laughs> up your fragmented psyche spiritual yeah, virtual signal s- signaling yeah, really. <laughs> that's what it is Hemp trousers there's, there's, are cheaper than a ferrari <laughs> it's a lot cheaper than a than ferrari but it's the same thing or like or like i stand with ukraine or what? i don't know if we'll get kicked off youtube for saying that but fuck it like it's <laughs> go on, go on, but yeah go on. yeah so that's horse shit uh, and also a lot of that like that some of the spiritual stuff they get, do get into i mean some of it's good and some of it's just a big nothing burger and some of it's dangerous like i think it will can and does fuck your psyche up because that's the danger of spiritual work like you like if you're if you're a um a carpenter and, and you're learning how to make shelves and you make some shit shelves you throw it away and try again for the next bit but if you're trying to reorganize your psyche and you fuck up going to cause a lot of problems so um and it, so there's a lot of that in the new age too yeah and um there, there are globalist um clause within the new age movement definitely um, uh, and uh, there are certain i can't remember the name of them but there are certain things that happen like um oh it's like the united council on religions or something like that it's a un thing that's set up where these uh these guys get together you know popey will go and dalai lama fucking hell do you see that video of dalai lama this week Ooh. well I heard didn't he about stick it. his tongue out for a kid to lick it yikes something on those lines yeah 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 uh, yeah so yeah dangerous ground i think mm. you've got to find your own sort of your own path in this way uh the thing is it's quite seductive the, the the new age stuff and uh, reincarnation; these other systems are seductive. Yeah, I've got some fancy crystals. Very seductive crystals. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I go to Glastonbury a lot um, because it's, it's there's some really good sacred sites there that are very potent, um, and and there's tons of new age stuff there. There's some competent people too, but there's there's a lot of new age, and yeah, you get to see the ugly side of it. Absolutely. That's like the commercial mecca of New Age, isn't it, Glastonbury? I like Glastonbury. Some good coffee shops. <laughs> yeah, half, half of it's like you get a lot of the light and you get a lot of the dark. There is a fuck ton of power there, but but it's uh, it, it's not all good actually. Um, something I wanted to ask you about, Richard, was narcissism. You mentioned it before. Um, I don't know anything about this. Tell me what what is it? What's uh, is this like a personality disorder? Or is it a mode of behaviour? Uh, what is it? How do you recognise it? Can I diagnose my missus with it? <laughs> What's the rules? Yeah, so it's one of the great in- plagues that is infesting the whole planet at the moment and is causing untold damage. Uh, I mean, like disorder, unhappiness, disability, death, poverty, like it. You know, if you're going to rank it, it, it's one of the worst ones for that kind of stuff. So, um, so okay. That, that, is it, and is it re- something that we all have, though? Don't we all have a bit of narcissism in our psyche? Yeah. Unless you're mega enlightened. 
But it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so think about it like body fat, right? Like you could you could be like a Mister Olympia guy and have like four percent body fat. So at that point, you've got basically no body fat. So if you're an extremely adept spiritual person, you'll have like nearly no narcissism. And it's and then it's like a scale, and then and then like you know if you you could have tons of it, in which case you're you're a curse to yourself and everyone around you. Um, so, okay, so so what is it? So um, so um, narcissism can be defined by the abs a complete absence of self esteem, and self esteem is a psycho spiritual energy that comes to us from the highest expression of psyche. And when you got it, you're good, you feel good. There's a nourishment that comes not through the physical body but through the inner. And it, um, you know, we we feel okay. It doesn't matter if I've got a scruffy beard or something, or I don't say my words properly or something like that. There's a there's an anchoring, and and a supporting by of something which has me here, so I can just stand here and feel all right. Now, absence of that, I'm going to be in a terrible state of anxiety, which is how these narcissists are. So what they develop is a is a crooked and evil, specifically evil with a big E coping strategy. What they do is rather than try to build the self-esteem, they they develop this persona, this ugly mask, where they're like, oh, I'm a good charity person. Hashtag I stand with Ukraine or whatever it is. Or like, <laughs> like you know, like or, or, or like, or like, I don't know, or I'm a poor person and you need to look after me. Like, I, I need your sympathy if you're more of a covert sort of narcissist. Or, oh, I'm special. I'm the best. I'm a bodybuilder. Nothing wrong with, like, bodybuilding. and stuff. I used to do a lot of it, like, there's nothing wrong with good cars. There's nothing wrong with running a business. Like they're fine, but the the the, the devil's in the detail. Like the, the the nuance here is like these things are there where you're drawing a sense of psycho spiritual energy, not from the actual source where you're supposed to get it from, but from a superior sense, from one of these things or from any th thousands of things that you could do it from. Spirituality we mentioned could be one of them too. And then it's like, oh, you don't have the good car. Oh, you're not as charitable. Oh, you're not as awake as me. And you don't know as much of the conspiracy, anything at all. <laughs> and then so you have this inferior, superior thing where like you can, you then you get a sense of what they call narcissistic supply, which is essentially a type of spiritual, psychological vampirism. And the given narcissist can survive spiritually for, for another crooked freaking day. And, and, and a wake of, of horror is unleashed around them because what they're doing is they're projecting their own unfinished business onto everyone else. The shame and the contempt and the deep inferiority that these people have, that they, they, they must stick that on everyone. They have to, like, like an alcoholic has to drink until they fix their problem. And, and then that's how they get by. That's how they have it, make a spiritual living. If you went to Davos, you know, like with a, with a New World Order hangout, like... <laughs> It would be the most like draining experience in the world. I think, like everyone would be doing this, you know. Right. That's so interesting. I would never have thought it of as being a lack of self-esteem. I would have thought it was the polar opposite. Categorically not true, and it's fragile, fragile, fragile. If you press the right button, and if you spend enough time doing it, you know where it is. You'll watch a complete collapse of their inner. And you get to see them go full demon mode. Oh dear, that doesn't sound nice. I, I'm, I won't be pushing any buttons. I don't think. <laughs> Richard, so, so just to finish the point, yeah, because like I, I know a lot of audience members, I'm saying this stuff, and there's going to be penny drop moments, and they won't they won't know, or or they'll just start to realise this stuff, and a lot of them won't know they're being abused by by these people. But they, the funny thing with narcissists, they got this, you could probably break it down to about fifty. 
50 different tactics that they use for that one strategic goal of getting the superior position and avoiding the inferior position at all costs. Common ones are like gaslighting, where I'm projecting a sense of insanity to people around me, you know, like, or, or I'm making you question your sense of morality or like sense of rightness. They feel not right. They're the immoral ones. They're the ones that they're insane, but they can kind of project that onto other people. Or triangulation, where maybe I get like you to kind of think that, you know, this other person's a bad person and like I get you fighting against each other. Or like a whispering campaign or like various different types of undermining and that kind of thing. And you can tell these things are working on you because you just, you're just you around someone and you feel bad. Like the proof's in the pudding. You feel like you're wrong. You feel like you're no good. You have a shaky sense of self. And terribly common in our culture, our media is extremely narcissistic. There's loads of narcissism acted out in, 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 in our films and TV shows. This is why I think it was films, Phil was saying, get off that stuff. Well, that's one of the reasons you're not being inculcated by these uh, shit ideas. Yeah, I mean, most of modern media is just absolutely terrible. I mean, that was a good, re good enough reason to give it up. I mean, like the quality yeah. of there's very much. I think the last series I watched was the uh, the Game of Thrones one, mm. the prequel one, which I thought was pretty good, and it was only what eight episodes, something. Yeah. So I gave it a chance, but there isn't much out there. There is a bit of a dearth. No, it's, it's cookie cutter bullshit, and it's it's all the messaging that does my head in. Mm. I'd rather watch someone like Gary. On YouTube, oh, yeah. you know, break down a whole season in 20 minutes and have a good laugh at that rather than subject myself to watching hour after hour of the fucking garbage that gets piped into people's living rooms. It's horrific. But Aside I'll... from Game of Thrones, what, what gems have you guys discovered? She-Hulk. Amazing. Ben is, a, ben is a big fan of She-Hulk. I mean, at the moment, that I can't really think of anything that I've watched recently that was good. The last good film I can remember watching is uh, that Nicolas Cage one I recommended to you. That's funny. Oh, yeah, that was good. The, uh, what's it called, that one? The Unbearable Weight, weight of, of Massive Talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's quite funny because it's it, it's like he's essentially just taking the piss out of himself, essentially, on film for an hour and a half. And it's an hour and a half, not like two hours, um, three hours long, and it's just drawn out and... Like a good example was um, the latest Batman film. Um, that was like, I think, was it three hours? That It was long. Three hours, and you got to the end of it, and you still didn't know anything about the characters, and it had all finished. And there was some like good moments in that film, but it was just so poorly executed. And all the rest of it. But I could go on for hours about films and things like that. You love films, Matt. I do, yeah. I do love films, but there's not been a lot recently um that i have enjoyed um if i'm being honest i think there's a lot of at the moment as well authorship if that's uh, the right What's way that mean? i don't know i made it up so like you know like auteur it. directors so they're just given free reign because the thought of as you know unique talents or whatever um so you know I've, I've, this might be controversial but martin scorsese did the irishman and that's another three-hour beast of a film it was a good film but it was just it's drawn out like self-indulgent yeah a little bit maybe it was being narcissistic it's like um, it's like the harry potter books well i was but, just gonna say you know or like, the game of throne books they start off nice yeah. short concise Jesus. and then the authors get so powerful they can mm. fuck all their editors off and indulge themselves in yeah. these narratives and this description and i remember reading i think it was the third game of throne books i was like if i have to hear one more description of a sentinel tree, I'm going to kill myself. 
get on with the story. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Well, alas, that is the way the corporate. Yeah, and that, I suppose that's a lot of works. you know, it's all these just the things get longer and longer and longer, um, but without any kind of like this podcast, meat, yeah, <laughs> to it basically, yeah, just sinew. Mm. Yeah. Um, Richard, we've we've gone over an hour already. Um, are there any final thoughts? Obviously, the links are in the show notes, as everyone knows. As always, if you want to follow up and uh, check out. Richard's website and his Odyssey channel on that. But is there anything else you want to leave us with before we wrap up? Yeah, like, well, I'll plug the Odyssey channel. So there's a live stream most Tuesdays at 8 p.m. UK time. So if you want to talk about spirituality and conspiracies and the Great Awakening and stuff, that's the place to do it. Um, I've got a really good interview coming out as soon as we can get it published. So hopefully by tomorrow with Freddie Silver. So if you like the kind of this this sort of content, I think you'll blow your mind. So that should be out on the channel by like maybe tomorrow or the day after. Um, and yeah, like I want to say to everyone, good luck during the great awakening. Like this is a obscenely powerful, tense, interesting, and beautiful time in history. Should we set and, our and alarms, I, uh, Richard? I, <laughs> should set our alarms for the great awakening? Well, it's a psychological or spiritual awakening, not awakening of the body. Um, but like, I, I wish everyone, um, Best of luck with it, you know? Yep. Good. Good okay. message. <laughs> Good thing to end on. Solid ending, yeah. Yep. Cross your fingers, set your alarm. Yep. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Set your alarm. Good luck. Uh, don't watch the Batman. Don't watch Batman. <laughs> yes. You do watch. What's that show we like? <laughs> uh, Raised by Wolves. That's, yes. Yeah, that's insane. All right. Whatever. I'm not watching it. <laughs> oh, I'm not watching that shite. Okay, Richard, we shall uh, wrap up. Thanks once again for joining us. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah, stay on the line for one minute while we play ourselves out. We'll see you on the other side. And for those of you in YouTube land, we shall be back in five or ten minutes for Ooh. part two. Do some news. Got some, some funny stuff. <laughs> Lots of funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. Say another. Bye. Right, take it late. I don't think that'll be coming over the stream, but uh, I spent well over an hour this morning fucking around with OBS because of audio gremlins that just appeared out of nowhere. Wow. So, yeah, we'll just see how we get on. Right, I'll be back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the pancreatic islets of Langerhan. (laughs) Yes, we're back. (laughs) Oh, he's been messing around with the soundboard as well. Yeah. Last two weeks, I've had that one on. Have you? Pancreatic yeah. eyelets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you just uh, joined us, you missed a good chat with Richard Harris in the previous video. Yeah. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, um, I just read the chapter where Dumbledore dies last night. Mm. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's like 20 years old. God he doesn't damn. die. He doesn't die. He ascends, doesn't he? He descends off the tower. Into... It's sending could. Does he reincarnate after he asks Harry to suck his tongue? Mm. Is it not like there's kind of force ghosts in Harry Potter, isn't there? Anyway, so don't they like there's ghosts and stuff? That end it, up in it? a picture on the walls. Somewhere, isn't there? There's something like that. Yeah. Well, headless Nick. Mm. Nearly headless Nick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's move on.
NYPD, New York Police Department, adds Spot, the robot dog, to force and more tech. Wow. Um, is this a DARPA dog or something something different? It certainly is a DARPA dog. I've got a clip here from, what is it, NBC, I think. Oh, no. don't know if the audio will play or not, but here goes nothing. Stand by. <laughs> edge of technology oh. throughout its history. And today we saw the high-profile debut of three pieces of new crime. There we go. Oh. From pioneers in fingerprinting to the latest in high-tech intelligence gathering, the NYPD has been on the cutting edge of technology throughout its history. And today we saw the high-profile debut of three pieces of new crime-fighting equipment, including one with a controversial past. News 4's Gus Rosendale was in Times Square for the unveiling. First, there is Digidog sniffing out danger. Then there is the GPS dart tracking cars driven by people up to no good. And you might run into this roundish robot keeping an eye on places like Times Square. We want the public to know that the use of these technologies will be transparent, consistent, and always done in collaboration with the people that we serve. The NYPD showcasing three new tools that will be rolled out in the coming months. Pilot programs, the department says, linking cops with new technology, especially during extreme situations. In hostage negotiations, counterterrorism incidents, and other situations as needed. Digidog was originally launched during the de Blasio administration, but the program was suspended. Civil rights activists said it was an example of over-aggressive policing. Today, Okay, let me just rectify that. From pioneers in fingerprinting to the latest in high-tech intelligence gathering, the NYPD has been on the cutting edge of technology throughout its history. And today we saw the high-profile debut of three pieces of new crime-fighting equipment, including one with a controversial past. News 4's Gus Rosendale was in Times Square for the unveiling. First, there is Digidog sniffing out danger. Then there is the GPS dart tracking cars driven by people up to no good. And you might run into this roundish robot keeping an eye on places like Times Square. We want the public to know that the use of these technologies will be transparent, consistent, and always done in collaboration with the people that we serve. The NYPD showcasing three new tools that will be rolled out in the coming months. Pilot programs, the department says, linking cops with new technology, especially during extreme situations. In hostage negotiations, counterterrorism incidents, and other situations as needed. Digidog was originally launched during the de Blasio administration, but the program was suspended. Civil rights act... Pretty dystopian, those... Uh... Those dogs, aren't they? It's like that Black Mirror episode. Yeah, I saw one pulling a rickshaw on a video today, which I thought was quite a good use for a DARPA dog. A DARPA dog pulling a rickshaw. Like, you know, those chariots, chariot chair things. Did it have machine guns on it? It did not, yet. Shit. Activists said it was an example of over-aggressive policing. Today, Mayor Adams barked back at those complaints. Digidog is out of the pound. He's really proud of that line. Sound of the pound. Digidog is now part of the toolkit that we are. The lady to his left looks so conceited. What do you mean? Conceited? Like, um, well, I don't know what's another synonym for conceited. 
example of over aggressive policing. Today, Mayor Adams barked back at those complaints. DigiDog is out of the pound. DigiDog is now part of the toolkit that we are using. Similar robots have been used in places like airports and college campuses, cameras, and two way communications, connecting police with people who need help. The GPS Dart, already in use, launched in some cases at so-called ghost cars, illegal rides using phony paper license plates. And why we're doing this, it allows our officers to stay safe, stay safe, limit pursuits, and let the GPS do its job. So who pays for all this stuff? Well, police say 750 grand for two dogs comes from forfeiture money, additional funds from the capital budget. The mayor took a bite at reporters asking specific money questions. This is an investment in our public safety. The new recruits start popping up this summer. In Times Square, Gus Rosendale, News 4 New York. I mean, they have to do something because it's pretty out of control in some of the major cities like Chicago, New York, San Francisco, the crime. So, yeah, roll them in. Get the, get the dogs to do it, the robots. I mean, the, the thing that's come to my mind is, you, you know, uh, when we moved away from uh, horse and carts to steam engines, you know, you don't have to uh, look after a dog. You just have to charge it. Doesn't need feeding. Doesn't need a pension. It doesn't need holidays or sick pay. Um, and you know, um, I for one would like to welcome our new robot <laughs> overlords. Um, and uh, as we all bow down to them, like That's a judgment day and terminating <laughs> mode, like exactly. Um, and why was there no Daleks? Why was there no Dalek references? Yeah, the like little domey one looked like a Dalek, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. It was like a 21st century Dalek. Yeah. He just forgot the plunger. <laughs> so, you know. So we just need to, like, get rid of all the disabled access stuff. Exactly, yeah. And then... <laughs> stairs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the only way to evade the Darpa Daleks. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Until they put... You know, jet packs on them. Yeah, like, mm. jet packs. <laughs> like uh, when they put jets on R2-D2. I know, yeah. Jesus Christ. Criminal. <laughs> God. Pe- Kenny Baker be rolling in his grave. If he were dead. Is he dead? He is dead. He, he died a long time ago. Anyway, moving on. Holiday makers. Holiday. Holiday maker? <laughs> Think he's spotted Nessie. Emerging from Loch Ness. Got a cryptid sighting for you. <laughs> no, you love cryptids. A tourist, not a terrorist. A tourist reckons he has photographed the Loch Ness monster after spotting a huge neck in the water. John Payne, 55, was admiring the loch from a window when he noticed some strange movement on the surface of the water. Mm. The dad of three grabbed his camera, took several snaps, which show a mysterious shape. Uh, I was out looking at the scenery from the window and this huge thing just appeared out of nowhere, Mr. Payne said. (laughs) It must have been something very large because we were about a mile away from the loch and I could see it clearly. It was like a huge neck. At first I thought it was a giant fin, but I know there are no dolphin or porpoises in the loch. So I was thinking, what the hell is this thing? John, a retail worker from Newport, Wales, Newport, <laughs> Wales, <laughs> was at Guesthouse Fires Roost on April 9th when he spotted it. <coughs> I should have read forward. 
He went down to the lock later that day, but said the creature was nowhere to be seen. Mr. Payne added, <laughs> <laughs> Newport, Wales? What have you done here now? <laughs> Assured some people at the hotel. <laughs> I can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I shot some people at the hotel and they were all really shocked. It all happened so quickly. It was only there for maybe two minutes. I looked at the Nessie pictures and these do look similar to it. Nessie is often described as large, long-necked, and with one or more humps protruding from the water. Do you want to see his photographic evidence? Do I? Okay, here it comes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. Magnify, rotate. Enhance. Enhance. Oh, my gosh. There it is. There you go. There it is. There's a Loch Ness monster. I mean, I'm having it. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? It's definitely not a bird. Oh, you know, just... And object floating that he's placed there. Pickaxe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think uh, the cameras obviously let him down. He mm. was convinced it was it was Nessie. I mean, you know, we all know if you um, if you zoom in on your phone, it does get a bit blurry, doesn't it? I'd be more concerned about that giant red circle floating <laughs> on the surface of the lock. Mm. Uh, well, regarding Nessie, evidence of his existence is anecdotal, with a number of disputed photographs and sonar readings. The scientific community explains alleged sightings of the Loch Ness Monster as hoaxes, wishful thinking, and the misidentification of mundane objects. Flotsam so, and jetsam. Mystery solved. Mm. Okay, let's go on to the next headline. What have we got next? Oh, drama erupts as chess player's real identity exposed. This is, uh, we did a chess story not so long ago, do you remember? Did yeah, we? we did. About the... <laughs> <laughs> Do you not remember? The guy with fucking vibrating anal beads up his arse. Oh, that was... The that cheat. Innocent. <laughs> he was, you know, innocent until... Allegedly. Proven guilty, yeah. What happened with that? Did he get banned in the end? Did we not do a follow-up? A follow-through? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, gosh. Are you retarded? It's the game that keeps on giving. In a bizarre turn of events at the Kenya Open Chess Championship in Nairobi, a sneaky man dressed as a woman managed to cheat his way through to the female section of the tournament. So, I mean, first point. Well, well, he's going to smash them with his superior spatial <laughs> awareness. It's, why would chess be... I um, no. I was thinking sport. that. Someone mentioned, I had not read the story, but someone mentioned it in the element, didn't they? Helen did. Yeah, yeah she's I didn't say, realize that it was... That it was split by sex. No. Chess competitions. But then when I, what came to my mind was spatial awareness. There's, a, there's a, a definitive difference between men and women. I would say it's, chess is a mathematical um Algorith algorithmic game rather than spatial awareness. You're not like Ron and Harry in, Are you in not the like, Chamber of Secrets where you're playing it in real life. Well, I thought you had... You heard about that prisoner who played it in memory. He memorised, he would play a game of chess in his head. Well, this is what I thought, apparently, you know, and mm. most of my chess knowledge comes through... Uh, that, musical. That, <laughs> that uh, Netflix drama, what was it called? Queen's, Queen's Gambit. Gambit. The Queen's Gambit. That you memorize certain moves, 
So someone does this, you do this, and then you do that. And you're supposed to have like a hundred moves ahead or something yeah. all the time. Yeah. So do you not think some some kind of spatial awareness would be part of that where you're moving it around the board? Yeah, well, you know what Jordan Peterson would say? Uh, so ta- you know, well... Taddy a bit rude. <laughs> well, chess is a game of intellect, is it not? Uh, I don't know. So, now... <laughs> Musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, average IQ between men and women is the same. Mm-hmm. You take 100 men, you take 100 women, you test them for IQ, you're averaging the men with the same result as averaging women. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> At the end. The difference is the distribution. Yes. So there's a distribution curve in in IQ. So Mm. you'll find that there are more men with uh, uh, 120 to 140 IQ than women, and there are also more men with 80 to 60 (laughs) IQ than women. So there are more super intelligent guys and more fucking retards. And that's why it's harder for women to win chess competitions. Okay, I don't know. That's what he would say. That is a, there's a Pareto distribution in IQ if you stratify it between sex. Right. Didn't know that. I Same with dis- psychopathy. Yeah. You get more males. That's why we have more male prisoners. There's uh, more psychopaths in males. There's more genius IQ males. Right. But what's to counteract the, uh, that, there's more retards. More male retards. social and cultural <laughs> makeup of Kenya? Is, it, is everything split, men and women? Just chess. Oh, it's a national tournament. So uh, yeah, across oh, the, but yeah, Kenya. I don't know what the well when you when you, I, you know, I don't know anything about chess, but there tend to be two male names. <laughs> what they identify as, who knows? Um, but um, it's always a man versus a man, isn't it? Or a man versus a computer. It's always Gary Kasparov. Yeah, that's the only one I know. Is he real? <laughs> Gary Kasparov. <laughs> He's Gary. the computer, isn't he? <laughs> Deep deep blue versus based Sigma Chad. Exactly, yeah. Some giga Chad. Mm. Chess player. Uh, anyway, carrying on. The cunning imposter who kept his true identity a secret while wearing a niqab and wow. never speaking to anyone. No, mysterious. Registered under the name Millicent Uwaraur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was he only caught out when he went for a piss? <laughs> Fooling even the tournament staff. I've got a picture of his disguise. Okay. Boom. I mean, that's... <laughs> wow, Jesus. I can't tell. Six foot five. <laughs> yeah. Very long. Very long lady. Yeah. Millicent Aurahur. Almost looks like he's cosplaying as a chess piece. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hairy knuckles and everything. Well, it, it, was he discovered in, in during urination? His, co- his cover was blown when he beat former national champion Gloria Jumbar and Ugandan top player Ampera Shakira, arousing suspicion from other players and the arbiters. Uh, The tournament staff, initially hesitant to intervene, finally decided to investigate after the fourth round, according to chess.com, in a private room. Is this... Sorry, is this going to end like (laughs) Scooby-Doo? In a private room, the man was asked for identification, and he eventually came clean. Admitting, (laughs) if it wasn't for you, pesky (laughs) chess.com invigilators, I would have gotten away with it. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah, admitting he was a university student who needed the cash. Oh. Uh, despite having an international rating close to 1,500, <clears throat> a blitz rating close to 1,750, the imposter player has been kicked out of the tournament. All his points have been awarded to his opponents. Uh, the Kenyan Open Chess Champions- Championship boasts an impressive prize fund of $42,000. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's attracted uh, 450 players from 22 federation federations. Planets. The federation. <laughs> he just he just kept talking and talking. <laughs> and, oh my gosh! Oh, oh no, you're gonna have oh, to do the weird oh, thing again. Oh, oh. oh, this is so smooth. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had a chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, it's annoying that. Cheaters never prosper. No, they don't. What about leopards? Leopards prosper in the savannah. Cool. Housekeeping. Oh. Housekeeping. It's the Valley for Value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing that. My favourite way, as ever, is word of mouth. Smashing people in the face with this podcast in a physical format. Maybe a cassette tape or a DVD. You could throw DVDs like Ninja Stars at people. An eight-track, of course. Sharpened, sharpened DVDs. Sharpened DVDs. (laughs) Christ. That's wild. Or a USB stick up the bum. (laughs) Okay. Unsuspecting. Uh, surprise that's just gross (laughs) you can uh, soon probably buy um, for that very purpose Amish Inquisition USB sticks from the (laughs) the Amish loot chest Uh, but for now it's funny you mentioned the loot chest because um, I got an email from Teespring and there is currently uh, a 25% discount available on the merch store so link in the show notes for the Amish loot chest want a current great t-shirt literally a communist hoodie three weeks to flatten the earth three weeks to flatten the earth t-shirt or mug uh go to the merch store insert the discount code friends ampersand fans 25 so that's f-r-i-n-d-s ampersand that's the sign for an and f-a-n-s 25 and you get 20 percent off 25 percent off never to be repeated Wow. No, man. So, and thanks to people. We've already sold some things on there because I, I did a post on social media the other day. So, thanks for supporting us. That's a good way of supporting us. We get a cut. Let's you get you. some shit to wear uh-huh. or drink from. It's a win, win, win. And a bacon nuts pan glass. Ugh. Probably cost, still cost you about 20 quid with shipping. But honestly, take that to the barbecue. Talk Absolutely. about a conversation starter. Bacon nuts pan glass. Yes, I mean, you want to be a base Sigma Chad. Yeah, <laughs> or is it? Yeah, uh, join the Element server. Um, oh, yes. You can interact with us um, to a certain extent. Way to address the element in the room, Matthew. Exactly. Um, you can post links uh, to videos, or you can post actual videos in there, uh, news articles. Um, yeah, it works like Discord. But works a bit different. It works like Discord, but you've got to join every single room separately just the ones just the ones yeah and um, then you're in it and then you're in it um how i managed to do it i don't know but i did in the end 
It's not difficult. Big spuds landed this week. He did, didn't he? A couple of big spuds. I saw them coming over the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> I got my welcoming gif ready. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was, but I welcomed him with a gif. So if, bug, if big spuds can work it out, mm. I'm sure you can out there. Exactly. We're, we're not allowed Discord anymore. No. no. Shut it down. So we have to do what we've got to do. Um, leave us a review. That's uh, always good. It's always useful. Smash the like button. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell end. I mean bell. Mm. Um, you leave comments. Comments on the videos. Leave I, comments. Have you got anything particularly one, yeah. offensive this week? No, not offensive. I've okay. highlighted this comment, though, this week, which I thought was nice. This incoming comment. This is from AS on last week's video. I don't get it. <laughs> I, ne- I never <laughs> will. Stig was a great guest in part one. Thank you, Phil and Team Amish. I like how you don't get named. No. Just, uh, oh, no. The peons. Hi, hi, ho, oh, hi, oh, hi, ho. <laughs> oh, hi, hi. Oh, hi, 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 ho. That song will never be the same again for most of us. Oh, hi, oh, hi. See you next Sunday. Have a lovely week, everyone. Mm. Owls. Ah, oh, and three tulips. So I thought that was a nice comment to highlight. And I'm pretty sure, I think I've identified this individual. Oh. I think Owls may be a, a supporter as well. Oh, so oh maybe, very good. Thank maybe you very donated. Much. So, yeah, nice comment like that. And uh, she donates on like, uh, donates. She comments on like every video we put out. If yeah. everyone listening did that, that would help with Al Gore. Absolutely. That would help with the old Al yeah. Um, it's inconvenient, but it's truthful. You could always ask uh, for a focus chi request. If your chi is depleted, um, we could focus some chi your way. So you know, the, We've an abundance of chi. We're just overflowing with it. Name yeah. me another uh, podcast or YouTube show yeah. that donates positive chi energy for on request. This stuff is priceless. Siphons it out. And it's gushing all over the place. Just... Uh, yeah, no one. We don't get enough focus cheat requests. And it's like yeah. 99.9% effective. I mean, we we got rid of uh, street signs. <laughs> we've uh, enabled people to overcome illness. Um, we've prevented hospitalizations. Um, the list goes on. I'm sure we could force a lottery win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been trying to do that myself. So. You can't You can't self-cheat. Uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> Um, it's like drinking your own piss. <laughs> Doesn't work. Uh, is that? Did we just go on to the me- the best way now? Um, artwork. You can oh. uh, yeah. The oh, best way. The best way to become a producer. You can give us a uh, donate show notes. Oh, <laughs> I'm just uh, considering how many beers I drunk by this time last week. I'm dropping to bits tonight. I think it's because the sound keeps fucking up. Yeah. But um, yes, we like we have new uh, show artwork for every episode. And we're in a really fucking dry spell. No one's sending us any art anymore. And uh, so it's been down to me. I've produced the art. I mean, if you join the Element server or you sign up to the newsletter, we haven't mentioned that, mm-hmm. sign up to the newsletter, link in the show notes for that, you'll get a preview of the month's guest, hilarious articles, wicked memes, jokes, discounts for the merch store. I mean, there's no reason not to sign up for the newsletter, is there? What's it called, the newsletter? The Ramspringer. In the latest Rumspringer, there is a picture of Phil stood in front of, I believe it's called, The Cove. That giant stone at Avebury. 
Apparently, it's a hundred tons. A hundred. Yeah, it's most heavy. of it's under the ground, apparently. Most of it's under the ground. Yeah. That's so they mental. think. I was listening to Neil Oliver's podcast about Avebury, and he said they, they think that that might have been there, and then they built the stone circles around it. Like a stone there's, bird. There's loads of boulders that big. But yeah, but, but most of the only one that's big underneath. Well, that's the hundred tons. Oh, rest of them are there's a third under the ground. This one's like an iceberg. He said. Wow. They must have done like ground penetrating radar or something to, maybe. to deduce yeah. that, maybe. Oh, well, I might listen to that, Neil, on the podcast then. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you can give us artwork. And uh, this is my artwork for this week's show. And that's pretty good, I think. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Why, why are the mountains on fire? <laughs> that's just um, it was an It was a very um, colourful, saturated picture, so I had to just desaturate it a I bit so that Richard would pop. <laughs> <laughs> I like that font. Right, and then... Yeah. Right, okay. Mm. Orfiotes. Orfiotres. Literally a communist. Look, I just want a damn mug. Yeah, well... Everyone has to have a mug. All of the same volume. Mm. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, have we covered everything? Where's the oh, become producer? Uh, the only other thing you can do is toss us a coin. Oh, toss a Absolutely. coin to your witcher. Do it for the lads, lads, lads. Yeah. You know, because we're more well, northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. <laughs> Go to thearmistinquisition.com. You'll find a PayPal button there, and you can give us a one-off donation. Sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. That helps us keep the lights on and. Uh, the shit show going. Shit show Absolutely. going, yes. Yeah, exactly. Only you fuckers out there can say Plotland. And help us in that way. Yeah. Right, I think it's about time then. Time we big them up, these fuckers. Uh, may as well. If I can find it. It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. <laughs> Producers for episode 277. Who do we have? Um, Helen. Nick. Martin Young, Ziggy Dan, and the folks who bought merch this week. Thank you. So amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love and literally. Oh, Willie G. The best mate. Run, boy. Respect me. The Kurds, the Greek, the doctor of thugonomics, the homophobe, the wind, the chest feeding, communist, the base sigma chad, the corn pop, the baby penis, inner asshole, the dime bar, the number 11, the bee gun on the bus, the blind man, the big chungus, the cripple, and the mother of the money figurine from hell. Thanks for your support for another week. It's much appreciated. That bed is so rousing. That's <laughs> inspirational, it is. isn't it? It's it is, amazing, yeah. yeah. Hoping to inspire people to toss us a coin. Wow. Mm. Well, will it work? I don't Time know. will tell. Who knows? Willie G knows. God, there was a lot of fucking around with that gimp. <laughs> That's why I don't do any artwork anymore. No. I yeah. gave up after one. Oh. It, it was a terrible attempt, and 
Uh, I had to fuck around with the gimp for too long. It's uh, you're not just going to pick things up instantaneously. It's like <sighs> I've been doing it for over a year now, and I'm, I'm sort of getting adept. Uh, oh, I won't say adept. I'm getting a level of proficiency which is usable. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I need to start watching the videos on YouTube. Yeah, with well, the gimp. you don't want to end up like John Campbell getting attacked by Freemasons. <laughs> if I thought it was conspiracy theory things like being attacked by Freemasons or something. That's the last thing you want. Is that what happens when you're a conspiracy theorist? You get attacked by Freemasons. If I thought it was conspiracy theory things like being attacked by Freemasons or something. And we're diapers. I don't know. Um, what about the order of ancient order of druids? Uh, extinct. Right, okay. I think I have the, the last artifacts. The uh-huh. looms, the heirlooms. Amazing. Got my, uh, you've got my gavel there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what's it's engraved. What's it say? The Amish. The Amish, yeah. The Amish, and I have my scepter with the Star of David. This is quite fancy. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about a scepter or wand or truncheon that has a Star of David at the top of it. Why? Well, well, you could swap it with that Eye of Agamato. <laughs> <laughs> I used to wear that for every show. <laughs> I've stolen your, your place. Oh, okay. Just, just put the hammer down, <laughs> as ZZ Top once said. Okay. <sighs> Lovely. Right, okay. What do we do now? Well, did what? I turn Zoom off? Why? Are you hearing that bing bong? Yeah, this bing bong. Did you oh, hear it? you. I thought I thought I'd turn Zoom off. Oh, no, I thought there's someone in the waiting room. Oh, <laughs> shit. Fuck Graham Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Stig. Again. Fuck Graham Hancock. Oh, can I say that <laughs> Oh, uh, Stig. Oh, he... What a guest. I mean, that was a legendary... Two and a half hours. <laughs> I mean, I think time. I think we spent about twenty minutes talking about the recat or reshat <laughs> structure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it would have been nice to um, get his uh, description of it. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been good. Um, that would have ruined it, I think. <laughs> yeah. I would have ruined it. I loved it. I what tangents. Great fun. Mistake. I think it should come back every week. He was, sure. he was, he was very funny. Yeah, he was good. He was good. I mean, I think there was probably more to to mine there, I think. I don't yeah. think you're allowed to dig at the recap. Well, you know what I mean. What about them no, quarries? Am I mining? Yeah, we'd even, yeah. There was like, you had a presentation. See, Matt Apocalypse says, bring back the stick. I know, exactly. He will be back. Stig will return. I'm sure he'll come back at some point, yeah. I don't know, unless he's, I don't know, going to be a big baby about it all. <laughs> oh. Oh. What, what, what a baby. What a big baby. Just get on with the game. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, PSA. Got a quick PSA announcement for you all. Spread it. It's um, about your dogs. You're a dog owner. I've got a dog. Ben's a dog owner. You're an ex-dog owner. Mm-hmm. I'm a dog owner. How did your a... dog become a mutant superhero? <laughs> it, 
I don't know. He probably ate something at the bottom of the garden in that <sighs> weird drain ditch that's down <laughs> there where the mosquitoes live. It's always the way. I had to take Zeus for his MRT on Friday. Mm-hmm. The new vets, the new vet building. What did you make of the new vet building? I oh, believe it's I luxurious. Be, I believe mm. is it not upstairs cats, downstairs dogs or something? No, no. There's there's a dwarf wall. Is there? Yeah, you go into the reception. It's like walking into a fucking hospital. Yeah. <laughs> walking into a private hospital. And to the left is the cat's waiting room, mm-hmm. where there is a dwarf wall of about four feet, four yeah. and a half feet. Okay. Where the cats all wait, mm-hmm. and the dogs you're in like these benches, like in a in a hospital reception. Right. And you go and sit with your dog. And he's very good. He was a very good boy. He's put on weight, unfortunately. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah. That diet of wooden spoons and cardboard boxes. He's doing so well. He's gone back. He's back over 46 kilos. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had him down to 43. Right. Um, but he was wearing his coat, which uh, was wet. They have, a, oh. they have a scale in the reception now. You weigh your dog in reception before you go into the room. Wow. Where they stick the old finger up the ice because he had his uh, anal glands squeezed, examined, drained. drained. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, it's where uh, the cheese is stored. <laughs> <laughs> where the cheese is stored. I think it, sm- it smells like it was off his cheese. <laughs> and, uh, but she checked his teeth and she said, wow, his teeth are brilliant. It must be all that frozen chicken he eats. <laughs> He said, "Yeah, imagine the frozen God. chicken." So yeah, other than that, yeah, MLT pass, no, uh, no minors, right, no, okay. uh, no warning signs, still no concerns about his spindly legs. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he got spindly legs. He's got spindly legs and he has a massive barrel body that looks inappropriate <laughs> for his size. <laughs> Tank. Uh, That's the way he was sat. Probably. Uh, no. Have you got a vet nearby, Ben? A local but Yes, yeah, we do. Just just um down the road. Just for uh we we're on this thing where we pay like a monthly thing, a subscription, like fucking everything is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get your ten point health check every six months and your your worming and your flea tablets and all that thrown in. And he's had an issue with his ears being a bit inflamed. So uh they had to oh we'll 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 get you some steroids with that, with your discount because you're on a plan. 40 something quid okay. for a fucking 10 mil bottle of stuff. There's vets and drugs. Mm. It's, it's such a rip off, man. It's funny you say that. I used to work in a veterinary laboratory. You did, didn't you? I did, yes. So I know the cost of some of these tests. The diagnostic tests. The diagnostic tests, yeah. You'd run them through it. 50p? Less than that. <laughs> it's, it's literally pence for like a, a an FELV test for cats or something. 17 pence or something plus my time which is 15 pence <laughs> uh, <coughs> and and yet you're charging hundreds of pounds for it and it's the same analyzer as you get in hospitals you just have different you have a different on range dog. you're looking for yeah you put it on dog and it's the these are the normal ranges for a dog these are the normal ranges for a human these are the normal ranges for a mm. guinea pig mm. and you run the blood samples and gives you an answer yeah basic auto serology yeah. So yeah, it's a racket. It is a bit of a racket. Kids, but... if you're listening, you shouldn't be. Um, learn to be a vet because that's where the that's where the big books are. Yeah, I'd like to be a vet. Would you like to finger dogs? It's too late now, obviously, but it's never too late. There's Phil. a sound. You clip. could be a vet in like a third world country tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, third world. <laughs> are you retarded? 
Don't oh, say that. Oh, banned. Developing world. Gosh. Um, anyway. Wow, Ben. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, quickly, let's move on. Did they even play the clip about your dog? Oh no. my gosh, a PSA. No. no. For goodness sakes, don't give your dogs alcohol. <laughs> oh no. Coco has become the first canine to be treated for alcohol addiction. How exactly did this even happen? How did Coco get addicted to alcohol? Well, as it turns out, Coco's owner had a habit of leaving his drink out before sleeping. And that is how Coco started consuming alcohol. This is from the UK, by the way. That's a fantastic video. It is, isn't it? Hello. Alcohol. And got addicted to it. And after Coco's owner died, he was taken to an animal welfare trust after going through canine alcohol withdrawal. According to the vets, this was the first time they saw a dog with alcohol withdrawal. Coco went through intensive treatment. It took four weeks of sedation so that his withdrawal symptoms could be, could be reduced. While physically he seems to have recovered, Mentally, he is still very anxious at times. Oh, oh my God. God. Just imagine what Coco had to go through. And Coco has become the first can... Sorry, I found it. Right, so... Uh, <sighs> so we've got robo-dogs, alcoholic dogs. Um, we just need space dogs. Space dogs. Like her. Mm. Oh, I enjoyed the echo. It's a bit... a, there was a band called Like a Dog, and no. it was fronted by Terry from uh, Terry from Television. Terry, what's it called? Terry? Tony, 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 Tony from Television. Uh-huh. Like it? Yes, yeah, I think I remember. God, I've not listened to Television for a long time. I'm going to listen to someone probably for own. the best. No, good. Well, was there? Um... Perseverance, Oblivion, Enter Alter Ego, all the greats, Celebrity Hit List. All right, let's move on. <laughs> it's going nowhere. That's all right. We're hurtling towards the end of the show now. And now look at this. And um, it's all kicking off up north. More north than here. I think. I think this is the northeast. But I may stand corrected. Calm down, ladies. Oh, no chill, man. Oh, let me replay this because I think I have to do this for every single clip we play. Because I'm guessing there was no sound on the Roy Keane vid either. No. Anyway. Yeah. Just yeah. my heavy breathing, I think. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, let's replay. Calm down, ladies. <laughs> no chill, man. Oh. Oof. That's a nasty, that's a um, Cobra Kai sweep of the leg there. Just right perfectly in the jaws. Okay, smash. Mm, I'm a lady as well. And is that not another lady kicking oh, a lady? No. He's a man. Oh, no. Continue. 
Biting her hand, I think, to let her over the hair. Right. We have another assailant to come to enter the arena. Well, one leg, G. One leg and a crutch. Oh, why? He's got one leg, bro. He's got one leg, bro. What's happening? It's a Wow. Wow. This is a mad, mad. Oh, 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 oh. Strangling. Well, if he was, he had fleece legs. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I thought he was just hairy legs. <laughs> I got hairy legs. Yeah. <sighs> I don't get what's going on with the uh, sound on the videos. Neither do I, because I don't see any of this. Nothing. It's just how it was when I fired it all up this morning. Mm. I spent fucking over an hour yeah. fucking with it. And I thought I got it, but obviously not. Stop. What if this works? We hmm. can't hear that. Exactly. What on earth is going on? Um, yeah, that sounds... Uh, that sounds... Um... <sighs> oh. <laughs> We've got this weird echo coming through on our monitoring in no, our headphones. Strange. I, I, I'm really... I fucked off with it. Bin it. I'm going to bin the roadcaster. <laughs> the queef master. Right. Shite. Well, I think it is OBS. <laughs> so, yes, you know. that was a uh, pretty interesting street fight. Is that a pointer towards the degradation of society? Wasn't that an example of masculinity? <laughs> uh, that would be an example of narcissism. A drug abuse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, victimhood. Every demographic was represented. I think so. There we go. Oh. Well. So, uh, should we do some binding clips? Yes. These are all audio. Thank fuck. Oh. <laughs> audio only. So we shouldn't have an issue. Uh, yeah, binding. He gets around, doesn't he? He's been in Ireland this week. He has. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> I've not got the black and tan clip. Because right. that's a bit dark. I don't, I don't think I've heard say? that one. Oh, he was, I read it. I think he meant to say the All Blacks, oh, the rugby shit. team, and he said he was talking about the the Irish giving the black and tans a good hiding or something. <laughs> the tans were the Irish police. F- oh, I don't want to go there. Anyway, uh, yeah, because he did some funny stuff. He did some comedy as well uh, before he even got to Ireland. He was being interviewed and he was being asked if he was going to run again. Mm. Yeah, so I've got this one. Are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either, either, either roll an egg or you know, being the, 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 you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, help a brother out. Make <laughs> no, some news no, for no, me. No, no, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. I'll either roll an egg or you know, being the, 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 you know, the guy who's pushing them out. <laughs> Going to be rolling the egg or the guy that pushed him out. <laughs> Guys pushing them out, pushing the eggs out. Now, do you remember when Bush was president, George W? There were there were books in cheap bookshops of Bushisms. There must be volumes of Bidenisms that can be can be published. Now. Well, no, because they're incomprehensible. It's like all the north. The north. I'm dog faced pony soldier. There you go. Useless this thing. 
He's either the egg or the guy who's pushing the egg the out. Fact that I am fucking vegan. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> misfire, misfire. I'll need an effective strategy to mobilize true and international under pressure. How can you not make sense of that? Exactly. Yeah, Crazy like... words. If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's the, that's the worst one. It also it? holds polluter, I'll call polluters accountable for the most ambitious environmental justice agenda ever. <laughs> so Risk more cases and more desks. deaths. <laughs> well, it, it is what it is. Is what it is. Well, it is what it is because you are who you are. That's why it is. I'll never forget that. <laughs> oh, God. A man. Oh, keep going. Lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. When I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Yeah. Um, so when he did get to Ireland, uh, what did this ask him when he was in Ireland? I'm at sixes and sevens now. Oh gosh, he, he glitched. Yeah, he was talking about. <laughs> He was talking about some initiative they have for uh, apprenticeships or entrepreneurships or something in Ireland. And, uh, yeah, he had a bit of a glitch. If I can find it. Oh, it's this one. Here in Northern Ireland, programs like Young, young, young Entrepreneur, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, helping thousands of young people each year gain skills and pursue the goals, their goals as entrepreneurs. Did you catch that? No. So again, listen carefully. I shall say this only once. Here in Northern Ireland, programs like Young, young, young Entrepreneur, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, helping thousands of young people each year gain skills and pursue the goals, their goals as entrepreneurs. Programs like Young, Young, Young Entrepreneur, programs like Young, Young, Young Entrepreneur, programs like Young, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Um... That's like when your teeth fall out, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's when your teeth fall out. I presume he has dentures. I think so. At his age. Oh, He's yeah. in his 80s, isn't he? It's like, yeah, my grandma used to, uh, dentures used to fall out all the time when she was talking. She'd do like that. Blah, 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 and then stick them back on. Yeah. You know, kind of like wired in nowadays. So. Probably. Skull. Yeah. Probably, yeah. How, yeah, and just clean them normally. Mm, you yeah. just put them in a glass beside the bed. I remember mm. my gran having a glass beside her bed. She'd drop them. Yeah. Clink face. The false is in. Exactly. Maybe it's done differently now. They used to knock uh, people's teeth out like, um, and give them dentures. Like people in the 20s oh, and 30s. Oh, they used to pull them out, didn't they? Because, yeah. All of them. Like yeah. the healthy ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give you dentures. Wooden teeth they used to have. It was better for oh, you. Oh, this was in like the 50s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 50s and 60s. I yeah, just knock know. all your teeth out and give you dentures. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to a customer. He said, yeah, I lost my teeth when I was like, 32. Yes, a couple of them were, were shit, so they pulled the lot out. Give me dentures. Oh, that's, that's how we did it back then. And a lobotomy. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> okay. It's half past ten. It is. Is the sun getting low? The sun's getting real low. I've, I've got an, an, an and finally for you. Okay. Um... That's why those in the aisles are always mad. Time. I don't understand that. 
Greenwich time. Christ. Um, right, I've got a, a recording here. This is from the Texas House of Representatives Judiciary and Civil Jurisprudence Committee hearing regarding State Bill Triple Eight. It's one of these things where people can register register to speak and make their voices heard in the in the name of democracy. You can go to you know you can if a state's being ready to be passed, you can. Petition your governmental representatives and uh, regarding the content of the bill. I've got a clip here for it from it. I think you'll enjoy. When they represent such a small portion of our population, um, when we have really big issues in this state. Um, I'm a third grade teacher and our schools lack adequate funding right now. Um, we are suffering from so many different things in this state and to be focusing on something that would very specifically harm transgender kids when they represent such a small portion of our population. As a Texan, it just really hurts my heart to see. And so I just came here to say that. Wait for it. Okay, so uh, Vice Chair Johnson. Agreed. Well said. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Representative. Appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Is there a Connie Lingus here? <laughs> what about Anita Dickenmain? <laughs> or Holden, Holden Middick? <laughs> okay. Are any three of those people here? So. All right. You got your, you got your, you got your moment. I hope you enjoy it. Does anyone else? I think those exact three names were called out in a previous clip yes, just like that, then, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Those was longer, though. He did like six. I think he has to do it, even though he knows that yeah. they're nonsense. No, I think you'll find the others were... Don Kiddick. <laughs> Don Kiddick. Eileen Dover. Yes. <laughs> and... Phil McCracken. <laughs> Phil McCracken. Phil the Amish. I knew you would remember that clip from well Excellent. over a year ago. Yeah. No, it's rather than... Don, Don Kiddick. Kiddick. We've got... Uh... Is there a Connie Lingus here? Nice. I think the previous guy didn't know, didn't realize until he was halfway through was this guy was on the ball. Don Giddick. He knew he was being played. Yeah. Holden (laughs) Middick. Right. It's the laugh in the audience thing. (laughs) Oh, no, yeah. Uh, Right. All good. Time to sign off. Uh, yes. Remember to praise Javelin and all the Elihim this week. Also remember... There's 25% off in the merch store. I mean, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get a mug and a T-shirt. Are you <laughs> retarded? Um, normally, well, normally we only get 10% off, don't we? Yeah. Because we're, you know... Because Golden we're... Jots. The dwarf, the cripple, and the pancreatic islets of Langerhan. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? We'll be back next week for another podcast. Will yeah. we? Oh, it's uh, oh, it's, it's a, a barn raising next week. Is it? No. No. No, it's another another one. Another Is one. It? We've got two weeks yeah. time for barn. It's thirtieth. All oh, right. Twenty third next week. <laughs> Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
All right. So we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. I love you. You're a big jungus. Epic dub. Based Sigma Chad. Have a good week. See you on the other side. Yeah. Thank you for watching. I never sucked any ding-dongs. You are functionally retarded. Boot your teacher out of Anita Dickenman. So the two-hander. I want this penis off my arm, please. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. I like it when it gets a little soft. I'm too lazy. I don't get out of bed in the morning. I smoke drugs. Give me money. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Is there a Connie Lingus here?